Hey, welcome to our little show. At that exact moment, there would be music, a really good song, and then it would lead into the show. But we're on day two of hacking ramifications. So it just sounds a little quieter. Uh, there's just more voices, more people talking. Uh, if you don't know the storyline of all this stuff, um, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't change the context of the show. That just means that Jeff talks for a long, long time. Uh, our system went down. And so in this business, obviously, uh, unlike the old days, everything is digital. And when the entire system goes down, you melt down, except for the people talking on a microphone. So here's the way it works. The phone numbers, use them more than ever before. It's the one thing that might still be working. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. You can follow me on Twitter, and I was fairly active today. I mean, I went all in on Ken Paxton and Tucker Carlson together. What a shock that is, right? Couldn't see that one coming, could you? The first interview right out of the blocks for Ken Paxton, your moral compass, was an interview with Tucker Carlson. So I responded, threw out a few things uh, that I read about the interview. And the fact is, Ken Paxton is not only not done with politics, Ken Paxton is looking for more. <laughs> of course he is. And he'll get it. He'll get it. I think I offered up on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. That's at Jeff Ward Show. I think I even offered up MAGA VP. Yeah. How about that? So you want to follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Ward Show. You can post comments on Twitter. Uh, the only thing with commenting is please get to the point. Don't suck. Make the show better. It's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast. Uh, well, maybe not today, but soon there'll be the podcast again. The podcast is dropped each afternoon. Go subscribe to it. That way you get all the episodes. It's at Jeff Ward Show. You can find it wherever you download your podcast. Same with the YouTube channel as well. Uh, we drop the YouTube show each afternoon, you know, except when there's a meltdown, but there'll be more. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we post that each afternoon. All right, now, this is going to sound like, hang in there with me. It's going to sound like an overreaction, but it's not. Now, on Mondays, I do overreactions versus reality because this time of year during football season, you know, it, it's, it's easy to be a prisoner of the moment and get caught up in what happens over the weekend, which is fine. But in terms of the long term, it's easy to overreact. So I do on Mondays, I do overreactions versus reality. And this is going to sound like an overreaction, but it's not. Or you can say that it is and I will fight you on it, but I don't think it is. So here goes. The season is lost. Yes, lost with a loss this weekend for the following teams. I know, Jeff, that's an overreaction. No, it's not. It's not. I don't think it is. I do think it's very much reality. I do think it is fair. I do think it is a good way to look at this coming weekend. The season is lost for the teams that I'm about to talk about this weekend. If they lose, it's already to that point and for a lot of these teams, I think you'll appreciate why I'm saying this. The entire season is lost. That means, here's the way to look at it. Everything you expected, everything that was expected of this team that was reasonable, 
an objective projection of what these teams are going to do, everything is lost for these teams if they lose. Everything is out the window three or four games in, in the NFL and in college football. Okay? I feel pretty comfortable saying it. I feel pretty comfortable with the arguments. Here we go. Alabama. Yep. If Oregon, no. When Oregon beats Colorado, and the buzz is off a little bit, I, I don't think it's quite fair, but when the buzz is off Colorado and Deion Sanders a little bit, and, and you know, it has to happen. The schedule is too tough. That league is too good. When Oregon beats Colorado, the talk of the football world is going to be exactly what I've been saying since last September. And that is Alabama has talent, but they play poorly. They've been and continue to be a dumb team. Shockingly dumb, to be honest with you. Alabama and Nick Saban will be the story. It would be the story already if it wasn't for the remarkable start by Colorado and the incredible story of Deion Sanders. That's just sucked up all the oxygen in football conversations. But another loss and a Colorado loss, and the topic of the day is going to be Alabama and Nick Saban. He won't get fired, and he shouldn't get fired. I'm not arguing that. Remember what I'm saying. I'm saying the season is lost for the teams I'm about to talk about with a loss this weekend. He's not going to get fired, but it's going to be miserable with a loss to Ole Miss. And it probably should happen. Alabama's a mess again based on what kind of talent they have. So if you take Deion Sanders out of the news cycle for a weekend, even slow it down for a weekend, and with the loss by Alabama to Ole Miss, the news cycle and the conversation will be about Nick Saban and Alabama. And they've not, been, they've not played well. You know, whenever I say that, people have this weird reaction to it. Look, there's talent. There are draft picks there. My God, they had the top two picks in the draft last year. They don't play well. They don't execute well. They don't do a lot of fundamental things very well. And they've continued this now going on a second year. They get far too many penalties. They've made far too many mistakes. They were bailed out from being a train wreck a year ago by the first player taken in the draft. It's not happening now. Alabama loses to Ole Miss. The season is over and the conversation changes. Next up, the season is over this weekend for the Chargers. Far too much talent and a gifted young quarterback who had the biggest contract in NFL history until two weekends ago. And they will be, they will be the biggest disappointment in the NFL. They're just nondescript. They're under the radar, but it's absurd if they start the year 0-3, and they might. They're on borrowed time. Their head coach is on borrowed time. It's ridiculous. They lose. Here's what's crazy about this weekend. It's the 0-2 Vikings playing the 0-2 Chargers. And if Minnesota beats the Chargers, the suburban L.A. Chargers, then Brandon Staley, their head coach, probably will not make it to Halloween. I'm not sure he makes it to next weekend, but I feel pretty good in saying they start 0-3 in that division, and he's toast. He may not, forget Halloween, he may not make it to Tuesday if they get beat by the Vikings and start the year 0-3. Okay? 
season is over for the Minnesota Vikings. If the Vikings lose to the Chargers, their season is over. And insert everything I just said about the Chargers and make it about the Vikings. They're less talented. They don't have a rock star quarterback, but they have a good quarterback. But either way, 0-3 is a disaster. To start the year 0-3 is a disaster for the Vikings, just like it is for the Chargers. And the Vikings, if they start the year 0-3 by losing to the Chargers this weekend, it sets up a fascinating scenario. So the Chargers beat the Vikings now. And it gives them another week, gives Brandon Staley one more week. But it changes the whole dynamic of the Minnesota Vikings as we know it. And the setup then would be, if they're 0-3 and the season is over at 0-3, and I think it will be, if they lose, then it's all about how do you blow the season up, how do you blow the franchise up, how do you blow the payroll up, and then go from there. Yeah, you're not even to October, and you're talking about having to blow it up. And the first piece to blow it up and start over is their quarterback, and that's Kirk Cousins. So the Chargers lose. Their head coach may not make it to Tuesday. The Vikings lose. Their quarterback may not make it to October before he's playing somewhere else. I think that's pretty fascinating. Either way, that game produces an 0-3 team. Their season is over. The season is over for the Chicago Bears if they lose this weekend. Um, They weren't expected to do a heck of a lot. Their problem is they go 0-3, start the year 0-3. They're a dumpster fire. It's a dumb organization that is about to be a full-on dumpster fire when they lose to the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah, they're trying to fix themselves on the fly, and they draw the Chiefs this weekend. So starting 0-3 is a full-on dumpster fire. The only investment right now, it looks like, dumber than the Browns, they have, Justin Fields is the only investment dumber than the Browns' investment in Deshaun Watson. Both of them are franchise-killing deals. Starting 0-3 is it's just a wreck. You're finished. They can't get rid of him, just like the Browns can't get of Deshaun Watson. So you're a wreck. Now, For full disclosure, I didn't see the Deshaun Watson thing coming. I really thought he might have a good year, and I guess it's still possible. But he's proving me wrong right now. But he's not in the awful position the Bears are in. So the Bears deal is dumber than the Browns deal, which makes this worse because they bet the entire franchise on a guy, and then they start the year 0-3. Next up, the season is over, and this one is awkward and uncomfortable, and I'm going to use soup analogies. The season is over if the New England Patriots lose this weekend. They probably will. Um, But here's here's a fascinating question about the Patriots. Okay, they start the year 0-3. I want you to think about this. With another loss this weekend, this would be a loss to Zach Wilson and the Jets. That's hard to do. He's horrible. Got it? That means the Patriots start the year 0-3. Question, can you fire Bill Belichick before he gets to the all-time win record? Remember, he's 19 away. He needs 19 to pass Don Shula. Okay? How long do you give him to get it? And that's an honest question. How long do you give him to get it? Do you just say, hey, Bill, 
however long it takes. Because if they lose to the Zach Wilson Jets, they're 0-3 in the worst kind of way. How long do you give Bill Belichick to catch Don Shula? It's not a joke. Because with another loss, and that would be a loss to the Zach Wilson Jets. This is not the Aaron Rodgers Jets or anybody else Jets. It's the Zach Wilson Jets, which makes the whole thing far worse at 0-3. So you know what this is starting to feel like? See if you agree with this. It's starting to, it's starting to feel like you're taking the keys away from your aging parent. Like it's becoming that awkward, isn't it? That you don't really... You know it's going to hurt them, and, and but you know it's the right thing to do. Is that where this thing is going? That this is one of the best coaches in the game's history, a guy that is chasing the all-time win record, a, a record that probably won't be touched by anybody else. And if he passes Don Shula, but here you are now at 0-3, and 0-3 at the Jets, with the Jets, and now do you take the keys away from your aging parent? Do you hide the keys? You try to have that speech, listen, it's okay. We're going to find a place for you. You can have some soup. Bill, you can have some soup. What do you do? How long do you give the guy? And when do you say it, by the way? Because they start 0-3 and lose to Zach Wilson, and the conversation is going to start happening, and the conversation is going to be awkward enough to say, gosh, maybe you need to tell the old guy he can't drive anymore. I think it's going to get very awkward. I think it's already awkward. You can't lose to Zach Wilson, but the problem is the Patriots can't score. This might be, I'm not kidding when I say, whatever the over-under is, what is it, 20, 10? This might be (laughs) 0-0. They suck. Both of them suck on offense. 0-3, what do you do? If you own the Patriots, do you have to sit down and talk with them and say, we're going to have some soup and I need the keys? Got it? There's your... They can't lose, and the season is over teams. And I don't think it's an overreaction at all. And I think a lot of that's going to happen by Sunday night. Now, I almost put a few others, including a program right down the street, in the next category. The next category is, these are almosts. In other words, the season is almost over. Like, you can't have, the margin of error is too small for these teams. You can't have you can't have another loss. You can't have another ugly performance. So these are all the season is almost over with a loss this weekend. A loss for these teams and 2023 is just about over but not quite. I can find a way that they can save themselves barely, barely. And this should hurt your feelings. Okay, almost the season is almost over for the Jets. They lose to the Patriots, who suck, who I just said, you got to take the keys from your dad. They lose to the Patriots, which they can't lose. This is almost a must-win game for Zach Wilson and the Jets. With the loss this weekend, um, you have to make a quarterback change by Tuesday, if not Sunday night, if not halftime of Sunday, if they lose to the Patriots. What what can be done? I don't know. I don't know. This Aaron Rodgers thing is now going to start to haunt them. That contract is going to start to haunt them because they're going to look out on the field and say, oh, no, we're stuck with that guy. The laughing sound you're going to hear if the Jets lose to the Patriots, the, laugh, the laughing sound you're probably already hearing is the Green Bay Packers. 
they're laughing out loud. They're saying, I, I wanted to get rid of the guy. I knew it was bad karma. So if the Jets lose, the season is almost over. The season is almost over for your Texas Aggies if they lose this weekend. Okay, I said almost. The season is almost over for the Aggies and their $100 million coach. Here's the deal. I know a lot of people say it's over already. Not, not quite. I said it's almost. I'm al- we're almost there. They, Aggies and their $100 million coach play a very mediocre Auburn team. Okay? I mean, they are mediocre at best. With a loss, there you go. The only meaningful games you would have played already this year. You would be two losses to unranked teams to start the year. The only teams, the Aggies, and this is what face painters do that that drives me crazy. The only teams the Aggies have beaten are directional schools that are nothing but set-up wins. So they don't really count. You can't count those. When you judge any program and any coach, you can't can't count set-ups. These directional school games... The Louisiana schools, I think they've run the entire gamut of all the Louisiana schools. I mean, that's, those are setups. They lost by double digits, A&M did, lost by double digits to an unranked Miami team already. They're underachieving, will reach crisis mode. It'll be crisis mode uh, by Monday if they lose to a fairly lame Auburn team. Now, if there is a loss... And remember, you've got to sort of take a look at A&M, take a look at Alabama, these big picture storylines in college football, and know that those things have been obscured by the fact that Deion Sanders has just sucked up the oxygen and he is the story of the day, right? But let's say Oregon does beat Colorado and that, that buzz is kind of, it's taken, they've had some coffee on the buzz. All of a sudden, the loss by A&M just explodes. They lose to Auburn and I think the heat turns up big time. I think AM wins this game. I think offensively they're actually pretty good. But if there's a loss, I'm doing my best here. If there's a loss by AM, the only solution for the Aggies that I've come up with is for them to frame Jimbo Fisher for a crime to get out of the contract. That's all you got. I don't have any other suggestions. <laughs> I have no other suggestions than you're going to have to frame the guy. I mean, you have to you need him to violate his contract in the worst kind of way. Okay, I mean, whatever horrific crimes you want to put together to try to get him on, you need to do that because otherwise you're married to him. You're married to a payout you can't get out of. So you're going to have to frame him for a crime. That's they lose. Their season is almost done. The season is almost over with a loss this weekend for Texas and Ohio State for exactly the same reasons. Now, don't laugh. Don't laugh. It is not beneath Texas to turn around and lose in Waco. Texas fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Both are in a a loss almost kills their season. Um, A loss by Texas and very scenic Waco against Baylor almost knocks them out of a Final Four chance. It does. It puts them in a really dangerous spot. Um, I think they can still get in, but it gets it gets pretty mucked up with a loss in Scenic Waco. They would have to run the table then, after a loss in Scenic Waco, they'd have to run the table and then probably get some help to get in the Final Four. 
Baylor is bad. They are. It's not a very good team. It's it's it shouldn't be much of a risk in losing. But you're in Waco, scenic Waco, the Cancun of Central Texas. Um, so it shouldn't be an issue for Texas. But if there were a loss, then life and the path to the Final Four gets gets pretty tough. The exact same thing applies for Ohio State. They are, their season is almost over if they lose at Notre Dame. And that's a pretty good team. That's a pretty tough road game. And that's possible. I don't think it's completely knocks them out of the Final Four, but it gets close. It's almost. So a loss at Notre Dame means for Ohio State, like Texas, they've got to run the table. Then they would have to try to beat Michigan. And they're playing a solid team in Notre Dame, so that's a real risk. I mean, of the two, Ohio State obviously has far greater risk than Texas, but Texas is in scenic Waco, and we now know that weird stuff happens there. But either one of those blue bloods who have just a crystal clear path to the Final Four, especially Texas, a loss by either, they're almost out of it. Almost. Now, there you go. You think those are overreactions? I don't think they are. I think those are real scenarios. And I think they all, if some of them happen, I think all those scenarios take over the conversation from Deion Sanders by Monday afternoon. I'm Jeff Ward, and that's Harry and Freddie, and all of us are talking together. <laughs> I braided uh, time that well, so they could. They forgot to introduce me, man. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, all right, the phone number is 512-834-1027. Um, 512-834-1027 on Twitter or X. It is at Jeff Ward Show. Let me get to some of the tweets or Xs or whatever we're supposed to be calling them right now. Hey, can I make a prediction? Rupert Murdoch stepped down at Fox. You know, Fox goes well beyond Fox News. Interesting story. I don't want to nerd out too much on business stuff, but the, you know, Rupert Murdoch, who's, I believe he's close to 90, um, has been running Fox for, for a long time. He originally, like a lot of media people, started in publishing. Publishing used to be a thing. You know, actually, I used to have printing presses. Um, but I believe he started making his money originally off of betting sheets um, for horse racing, I think. Either way, I got a weird, weird thought on this. No evidence, nothing to back me up. Um, I think it'd be a horrible mistake. And I, but I think it is an interesting setup. And that is this. The ego, the fascination, the obsession, the fanboy-like beliefs that got Elon Musk into Twitter, would they do the same thing to him for Fox? Now, had he not purchased Twitter and that thing turned into the mess that it is, that he overpaid and didn't know what he was doing, I would think the chances are better that, uh, I mean, look, it's not for sale. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that right now. Well, everything's for sale. Let me correct that. But his son is taking over. I mean, I don't think they'll change much. It's a decent model. It's, uh, you know, selling, selling. Uh, how do I say this politely? Selling to elderly white Americans. And it's not a bad model. Now, it is a bad model when you have no new customers coming in because they die off. But I want to throw this out there. Of a potential buyer, would he make sense? I would say it'd be crazy again, because Elon Musk does not understand what he's doing in the media space, does not get it. But could ego be enough? Could the fanboys be enough? 
The fanboys, I believe, drove him to buy Twitter and horrific mistake. Would there be the same kind of thing with Fox? I don't know. I don't think so. And don't say D. Trump. That guy's out of the cash to pay a toll booth. No. Um, but I just I wonder if the old man is out. If you're one of the kids, you wouldn't mind cashing out, right? You only one run that thing. It's a it's a rough business. It's a rough model, given the fact that you're targeting elderly people so much. Um, there's a thought. Just would would he be would he would he be a player? At Jeff Ward Show. Fair question. So when is Waterloo Media going to pay the ransom to the hackers? Brandon, what do you got on you? Like 20 bucks or something? Uh, have you made an offer? They've asked you? No, I'm too broke. They, they, not even, they didn't even call you? Didn't even bother. Oh, boy. Me either. Um, I don't know. I don't, are we supposed to be able... Are, it seems like a mistake to even talk about that because, right, isn't that the rule when it comes to ransom? <laughs> yeah, I don't ask questions. I, I don't know the answer. Obviously, I don't know the answer. I'm still sitting here talking over other people talking who talk over me. So I don't know. We got no computers. Brandon just got to sit on his phone all day. I'm not sure what we're going to do. I can't answer your question. If you're the one wanting the ransom, can you at least give me my show back for the music, please? All right? <laughs> just, just do that. At Jeff Ward Show. So you often wonder how the Trump crazies buy into all the BS they believe. Then the WWE gets a billion-dollar TV contract. I rest my case. Yeah, WWE is... It's different. I don't want to get too serious about your comment, but it's different. I've learned this over time. So WWE has been so impactful in the media business for a long time that the WWE, I would argue, years ago when Monday Night Football... Was, was it ABC then with Dennis Miller? Okay. During that time, they were so concerned for good reason about losing ratings among young men to wrestling. I believe that's why they brought in Dennis Miller. Didn't work. It's stupid. Felt forced. But WWE has been a force for a long time in the media space. Hey, help me here. Um, my grandfather believed in wrestling at the old Sportatorium with the Von Erichs and Chief Wahoo McDaniel, all that stuff. He actually believed it. What percentage of the fan, of, of people that watch it regularly actually believe it's real? Is that more than 1%? Does anybody really believe it's real? I don't think they think it's real. I think it's pretty, pretty classic drama. Um... So, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's doing well because people are buying that it's so real. I think it's doing well because it is so over the top that they get it. You know what? I mean, that's, that's my take on it. They do what they do really well. They goof off, make fun of themselves. It is testosterone comedy. I don't find, I could be wrong, I'm happy to be corrected here. I don't find WWE fans... I don't find them as disturbing as the Trump cultists. I don't. And I don't even think they're in the same reasons. The Trump support is because it's angry people where he is the foam middle finger for them to everyone else not like them. That's the appeal. That, and it is passionate and it is angry and it feels good. 
It doesn't matter. He's not going to do anything for the people that support him. Not, their life is not changing one bit, not getting any better. But what they do get is they get the feeling they're telling everybody else, everyone they call woke or educated or urban uh, citizens. I mean, they get to flip them off. I don't think they're the same audiences. I don't. I, I mean, I get the redneck connection. I do. But I'm not quite sure I'm convinced. Did I take that far too seriously? I think I did. Uh, at Jeff Ward Show. It's easy to figure out how long it will take Billy, I assume you mean Billy Belichick, to get the win record. He needs 19 wins at two per year. That'll be 10 years. Simple but true. I, I Am I the only one that thinks that is a fascinating, awkward proposition? How long does he get? You can't fire the guy. Okay, first of all, with his record. But can you fire the guy who's chasing the all-time win record? Can you? Can it get to the point? They're going to be on, they might be 0-3 this weekend, and there's not many wins left. Okay, so 19 is not happening in the next two years, is it? Is 19 happening in three? Is 19 wins happening in four? Is 19 happening in five? You see where this is going? Like, when, when do you take the keys from your elderly parent? And how do you do that, man? That is, I don't believe the guy's out of it, but they're terribly run, and that's on him. Um, there's no getting away from when Tom Brady walks out the door, the entire franchise is different. I mean, I don't know that it's all Brady, but it sure the heck looks like it. I, I don't blame the I don't blame Bill Belichick for for wanting to hang in there because he's you know been a football coach in the NFL for forty years. I don't blame him for wanting to get the record, and I don't blame him for wanting to prove that it wasn't about Brady. But it looks like it was about Brady. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And they they are terrible. They're terrible on offense. How long do you give them? Realistically, how long before he gets nineteen wins? Let's say they get, what do you think they get this year? Four? Five? I mean, at best six? Okay, at best six, uh, you got to give the dude four years. Would you right now say, Bill, I'll sign you up for the next four years? Would you? His boss is wearing a diaper. Like, so I don't know. Maybe the boss who wears a diaper is going to be fine with a coach who wears a diaper. That is a awkward ugly setup that I think is going to really, really become a topic by Monday if they lose to the Jets. Because you're losing to Zach Wilson. Had it been Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and he beats the Patriots, people go, yeah, well, you lost. Yeah, it's a good team and they got Aaron Rodgers. It is now a awful young quarterback who doesn't beat anybody except the Bills. And now he's going to try to beat Bill Belichick if they do. Yeesh. And then it's uncomfortable. How do you do that? How do you fire Bill Belichick? Like a note under the door, an email, put his box out there. Poor guy, didn't his girlfriend just break up with him and won't leave his house or something like that? Right? I mean, what a what a what a awful setup for the old guy. He just wants to get his 19 and go on. It's all he wants. He wants to put on another shirt that he got out of the dumpster and go get his 19 wins and move on with life. All right, phone number is 512 834 1027. That's 512 834 1027. 
Uh, at Jeff Ward Show. Wow, a biased rant against Republicans. Jeff really going against the grain on this one. Shut your face. <laughs> what do you mean? Republicans are running the place. Who would you like me to rant on in the state of Texas? How can you not notice the last two weeks in this state? The two most ridiculous, and I don't understand how anyone could defend, if you have an R next to your name or a D next to your name, and by the way, I find the parties pretty ridiculous and uh, unhealthy. But if you have an R next to your name in this state, would you like to tell me how you're not embarrassed over the past two weeks? I'd like to hear an argument. All I hear is name, you suck, blah, blah, biased, hate us. I would like to hear an argument that you're not embarrassed about the Ken Paxton trial. I would like to hear that. Now he does an interview with Tucker Carlson, and not only is the dude not going away, he's coming back for more. And he's going to get elected. How do you, tell me how you justify that. Tell me. I want to hear it. It's a challenge to anyone. And then the other part is, I don't know how any decent human being, forget the optics, I don't know how any decent human being could say that the head of the DPS deserves a $45,000 raise. I would like to hear that argument too. I challenge anybody. I've noticed the governor never mentions it. That's despicable. And you think that is a biased, stupid rant? Really? I challenge someone to take on my rant. Tell me anyone who thinks, one, Ken Paxton's not a piece of trash, and the head of the DPS deserves a $45,000 raise. Go ahead, I dare you. Oh, that's a break to the other dudes talking, Brandon, sorry. Hey, Jeff Ford here. Um, so if you make a list of the most important players for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, in no particular order, and I, I don't think this is up for argument, but the most important for the Dallas Cowboys, the most important players for the Dallas Cowboys, first of all, understand what I think is uh, you have to have to be successful, and then to be super successful, you have to have a few things. You have to have a really good left tackle. You have to have a really good pass rusher, an edge player. You have to have a really good receiver. Actually, I submit to you two obviously quarterback, and also lockdown corner. Okay? Those things you have to have if you want to go deep in the playoffs in the NFL. You don't, you don't last long without any of those things. The Dallas Cowboys have all of those things. Well, had them. The most important players to the Cowboys are Micah Parsons, Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence, CeeDee Lamb, Zach Martin, Trayvon Diggs. Okay? All those are the positions that I've just described. You have to have those. You can't lose those people or else you come right back to the pack. Unbelievable. Dallas just got some of the worst news you can get out of practice. The only thing worse defensively would be losing Micah Parsons. That's how important Trayvon Diggs is. Now it's reported by ESPN, Dallas Cowboys cornerback Trayvon Diggs has torn his ACL in his left knee. He suffered the injury during a one-on-one drill in practice. Um, remember, this is a guy, this is a gut punch, man. 
He just signed a five-year, $97 million contract. You know, as you start to, as I said, you have to have those pieces. You don't live in the NFL without a guy like that. That's what makes Dallas, right? I mean, they, they see they cover all the boxes, all layers of defense. They've got the best pass rusher alive today. They've got a run stopper in, Va- in Leighton Vander Esch. And they've got a lockdown corner and Trayvon Diggs. All are stars. All are really good at what they do. Some of the best in all of football. That's why their defense. Now they have other players, of course. Really, really good players. But those superstar players are why that defense is elite. You just lost one of the five or six most important players on the franchise. You really did. Now that is a bad break for him. The guy is, he is on his way. I mean, he's playing like a pro bowler. They're going to have ridiculous numbers in the Pro Bowl on defense. And given the fact that you are chasing or maybe caught the 49ers and the Eagles, not now. You can't lose him. You can't. I mean, you don't replace that guy. I'm not going to say he is the equivalent of uh, Micah Parsons. He's not. That doesn't exist. But in the pass game, defending the pass, He's the Micah Parsons of the secondary. He's the Micah Parsons of the corners. I mean, that's the dude you say, you go take out the top receiver. That's what you do. That's it. And he does it. That is awful. Awful for the Cowboys. I know the world only thinks in terms of quarterbacks and receivers, but that is, that's losing. Pick a superstar receiver. And have a team lose their number one receiver, one of the best five receivers in all of football. Take that guy out. Watch what happens to that offense. Trayvon Diggs is the same thing on defense. It's that he's that important. Uh, what does this do to them? A lot, a lot. Uh, if you said right now, here he's lost with a torn ACL. Does that mean Dallas is still the best team in the NFC? The answer is no. They're not. Not without him. Are they good? Yeah, they're really good. They got Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons can cover up for a lot of stuff. You can't cover up enough of that. You can't lose that guy. That brings him back to the pack. That's just the way it works. That's the NFL. Yeah, it'll happen to other teams. You know, you sort of live, you know, poor old Jerry Jones, he signs this guy thinking, I got I have to lock this guy down. They had to lock down Zach Martin, one of the best guards in all of football, one of the best offensive linemen ever to play for the Cowboys. And Jerry Jones and his son were smart enough to lock down Trayvon Diggs, one of the best corners in the game. So they're thinking, we're checking the boxes, man. We got it. We got we got, we're gonna, we're gonna lock down our superstars. And then they lose the guy three games in. Unbelievable. What a horrible break. Don't know any more than having in practice. Um, which, you know, I, if people are going to now talk about, um, I don't know if, I, I think he got hurt on grass. I mean, if they're at their practice facility, that's, I believe they're on grass. So, I, you know, you got to practice. You got to get reps in. You got to, you know, you've got to keep the muscle memory. You can't just sit around all week. So I don't know if there's any fault to be passed out anywhere. That is just a brutal, that is a brutal break for Dallas. Do I still think they win their division? No, I don't. 
I don't. I don't think this 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 takes them away from Philadelphia. This takes them a step back from Philadelphia. It might even take them two step backs. Because you have to, just like you have to have Micah Parsons rush, you have to have Trayvon Diggs go cover someone. He takes away a side of the field. That's why they pay him $100 million. Oh, man, that sucks for them. At Jeff, at Jeff Ward Show. Trayvon Diggs, why can't we have nice things? It's, it's, it is a, it's a, I don't think I can say it loudly enough what a bad break this is. If you told me they lost C.D. Lamb, I would say, that sucks, that's a brutal break. This would be just as bad. At Jeff Ward Show, I think Bill is realizing, I assume you're talking about Bill Belichick. Um, I think I think Bill is realizing when he had Brady, all Bill had to do was not mess it up. Now Bill is lost on how to coach his team now that the dynasty, Brady plus Gronk and others, is gone. At Jeff Ward Show, here's a way to get rid of Jimbo. Bet him if he gets more wins than Dion next year, they will buy him out on the spot. If he doesn't, he leaves. And Dion takes over the AM program and his contract. His old man ego might take the bet. Hmm. So you think that's a better plan than me framing him, having the police, the Caldwell police frame him? Okay. You can try it. I think they need to try everything. They lose this weekend. You need to try. I, I'm, that's fine. Try anything you can to get him out. Anything. I don't know what you offer him. Half the George Bush Museum, the library. It's all yours, Jimbo. At Jeff Ward Show, Musk to Fox News, I doubt it. By the way, I didn't say it was going to happen. I said it's an interesting setup, and I think had he not been over his skis and purchased Twitter, he might, his ego might be bold enough to take it. I doubt it. All of Musk's businesses have fundamentally been high-tech industries with high-growth prospects. Fox News is the opposite of that. Agreed completely. So is Twitter, by the way, which was a dumb move in his part. He didn't know what he was doing. I just wonder, a guy that fell into the ego trap enough to buy Twitter, could the suck-ups, the political suck-ups, the Fox News 24-7 cycle people kiss his ass enough to get him to buy that? At Jeff Ward Show, Saban and Belichick have been widely spoken of as GOAT coaches in the past decade. After a few bad games, people are talking about firing them. Wanting to drop Tom Brady or Jordan after a few bad games would be absurd. But how is this different? Well, first of all, this is different because no one said fire them. <laughs> okay? Uh, well, maybe somebody is. I, I, you're right. I mean, I'm sure some people talk about it. No, 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 no. It's, um, I don't think you can fire Nick Saban, period. I don't think you can fire Bill Belichick. But they're not good enough. To pretend that they haven't slipped is blind. Completely. And I think at 0-3, given what happened a year ago, both of them are on a little bit of the same trajectory. It's really, I said a year ago, it's saving, it's disconnected, it's disconnected, it's not working. They're a dumb team. The Patriots are a mess. They're more of a mess in Alabama. Okay, you don't fire them. You're right. You can't run those guys out. What I'm asking is exactly what do you do? What is, what is the trajectory? Do you tell, I'll ask this again to the audience, do you tell Bill Belichick, Bill, 
I'm with you until you get 19 wins and pass Don Shula. Then I want you to quit. Do you do that? Are you willing to invest and sit around and watch him be the mad scientist in all of his bad clothes and grunting like a troll? Are you willing to tell Bill Belichick, if it takes four or five years, Bill, I'll ride with you the whole way? 